Being there, let's open in prayer. God, I just thank you so much for your greatness, for your wonder. I thank you that you are the king that we can worship. I thank you that we can bow before you tonight. Just come and praise you. Thank you for your many blessings that you give us, for your constant sustaining and care, and just the glory that we can see in creation. Let this time of worship tonight just be honoring to you. Let us build each other up into Christ-likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever, you covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them, the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness, and it is night, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, this great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath. They die and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit. They are created. And you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks upon the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. 
I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my, may my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Have you ever had something, let's say food, that you just tasted it and you thought, oh, that was wonderful. And then you could just keep describing how great that food was. For me, that's my mom's triple chocolate bundt cake. She makes this bundt cake just out of chocolate, a rich chocolate, and then she fills it with chocolate chips, and then she has this homemade fudge that she makes. She heats up the fudge, stirs it until it's just the right time, and then she pours it all over the cake, and then it just oozes all over and then solidifies. You get this little pool in the center too that hardens as well, and then you cut into it when it's still warm, and you can just see the chocolate melting, and you put it into your mouth. It's so light and airy and so good. Now, I just did exactly what I described. I just thought of this food and just started describing it. It's just so wonderful. And that's kind of what the author of Psalm 104 is doing, but with God's creation. And he's doing that to praise God. Because when I'm talking about this triple chocolate bun cake, you notice whose triple chocolate bun cake it is. It's my mom's. I'm not going to be like, wow, this is an amazing triple chocolate bun cake. I'm glad it just showed up here on the counter. <laughs> right? I'm going to say, thank you, mom. This is amazing. I'm going to say, you did such a good job preparing this cake. And again, that's exactly what David does, or the author of this psalm does, right here. He spends the entire time looking at something God has done and saying, wow, God, this is incredible. That points to you because you're the incredible God that made this. And he does that in looking through creation. Really, there are just so many things that we could look at and see that. But he just spends some time walking through creation, looking at various parts, looking at various things and saying, God, you deserve praise for this. You deserve praise for this. You deserve praise for this. That's what the whole psalm is. He starts off, the first phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then that's exactly what he does. He says, God, you are very great. And he starts to describe just some of the greatness of God. He's clothed with honor and majesty. Just wonder and awe are just, they just go with God. You look at him and it's like a clothing. It's just wrapped around him in this awe and majesty. Light is like a garment around him. We think about the sun. We look at the sun and we go blind. But God is just so much more clothed in glory and honor and light than the sun is. How much light is wrapped around him? He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Like as easily as you move the curtain to look out the window, that's how easily God moves out the heavens, spreads out the sky with those innumerable stars. And then he starts walking through really specific aspects of creation. Even in verse 5, you laid the foundations of the earth. Verse 6, you covered it with the deep as with a garment. He starts talking about the waters too. He says, you laid down the earth and then you covered it with water. I heard, I think it was a book by Arthur Pink, describing some of the power of God. Water is less dense than earth, which means it should go up above, but is more dense than air. So it should be below the air. So really, the water should be covering the whole earth because the earth should be sinking down as the water goes up, just because of density. And again, I think it was Arthur Pink. 
was talking about that and saying, God is the one who set this water in place. He's the one that holds it there. Isn't that so cool? And that's what David's doing. He's saying the same thing. He says, God, you made the earth and you put the water on top of it. You, you moved the water to where you wanted it to go. Verse 9, you have set a boundary that they may not pass over. You think about the vastness of the oceans. We look at that. How many of you are going to walk up to the ocean and stop even 10 feet of the ocean from going where you don't want it to go? Right? You go to the beach and you start shoveling. You're going to be there a long time. And I suspect when the high tide comes in, that's not going to be there anymore. But God, he sets that boundary and it follows that. He even talks about the springs. Verse 10, he sends the springs. It's not just the huge amounts of water, the oceans, just the little things, the springs that give the animals their water. And that's really how he transitions into his care for the creatures. He says, you've made these springs that flow in the hills and they give drink to every beast of the field. He starts talking about this again and he's saying, this thing that you have made, it's caring for animals. We look at the animals, right? We don't go out every morning and put out some water for all the deer and the wolves and the coyotes and just all the wild animals hoping that they get something to drink today. And God provides for that. God cares for that. He has rivers, he has streams, he has lakes, pools, even rainfall just to care for the animals. Verse 14, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth. God, again, is shown to be the provider, the carer, and the sustainer. David is looking at creation, or sorry, the author of the psalm, I keep saying David, the author of the psalm is looking at creation and saying, God, you make creation and you use it to care for your creation. Right? You made all these animals and you didn't just desert them. You keep the water and the grass that you cause to grow to care for what you've made. We look at the grass, we cut it every so often, probably more than we like to, but think about who made that grass and think about what that grass is useful for. If all grass was gone, which I think is going to happen in Revelation, how much food would animals not have? How much food would man not have? if all forms of grass were gone. He even talks about that. He says, bread which strengthens man's heart. God's the one that even makes that bread possible. Then he talks about the trees of the Lord, the cedars. And he talks about what God uses those trees for. He uses it for the birds. God made birds and God made trees for these birds to stay in. And caring for them. He talks about the high hills, the mountains, the cliffs. And there's animals for them too. When you look at these giant cliffs, it'd be pretty hard for us to live in there. But God made animals for them and he uses those cliffs to care for them. He uses those cliffs. He uses these high hills to care for the animals that he has made. Then verse 19. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night. Even as we look at Genesis, God made the things in the sky, for seasons, for times. And God's still the one that controls them. He says, the sun knows it's going down. You make darkness. 
God didn't just set this in motion and leave it. God didn't just say, okay, here's the sun. I guess whatever happens, happens. He said, here's the sun. Okay, I'm going to make it dark again right now. All right, it's time to be light again. And God makes it light. And then that day he says, all right, it's time to be dark. And he makes it dark. When you look at the sunset, the sunrise, he's not directly mentioning that. But that's God making it dark. As you see the transition of colors, the transition of light, that's God the one doing that. And then he describes what happens in the night. He's talking about all the beasts of the forest creeping about in the night. All the raccoons and the skunks and the deer and all the things you don't want to see just walking around at night with their little glowing eyes ready to jump out in the road in front of you. God's the one that made it dark for these animals. And then he says, when the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. Even just the timing of day as man works in it. As animals have their schedules, that's part of God's sustaining work. I can't take credit for that. The animals can't take credit for that. Only God can. And he kind of interrupts himself to say, Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you've made them all. He's just describing this and he's saying, It's so good. It's just amazing. God, it's incredible. And then he says, the earth is full of your possessions. And he starts to describe it. It's not ours. God has given us to be stewards over it. But ultimately, we're stewards because it belongs to someone else. That someone else is God. Verse 27, these all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. And he spends the next few verses talking about God's care and sustaining of these things in these people. We all wait for God for our food. If you pray before you eat and thank God for your food, this psalm helps you understand why you do that. Because you went out and worked, you stewarded the time God had given you, you earned some money, you went to the store, you bought the food, you prepared it, you seasoned it. But who made that food in the first place? And who gave you that food? Who are you waiting upon to have that food? Well, it's God. And verse 28, what you give them, they gather in. The only things we gather are what God hands to us. You open your hand, they are filled with good. It's like God has stuff in his hand. He opens it, and we can take from it. He said, you hide your face, they are troubled. If God says it's not time for us to have a lot, we're not going to have a lot. Then he says, you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Even our very lives are sustained and kept by God. The very lives of all the animals around us, of the cycle of nature, and even of the people around us. It's all sustained by God. He's the one in charge of that. It is appointed unto man once to die. You know who appoints it? That's God. He said, you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. God is our sustainer. God is our creator. He's the one in charge of creation. Verse 31, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. Again, we see creation. We see what God has done. We see God's hand in this all around us, and we are moved to praise. To say, God, may you be glorified. May the Lord rejoice in his works. And in verse 32, he describes just a little bit more. 
In verse 33, he gets again to his response. He says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. Right? As we look at these things, as we look at all around us, as we see just how wonderful it is and we're moved to praise God, that's not just a one-time thing. Right? He says, while I have my being, as long as I live, he's going to praise God. This is a lifelong pursuit of David going out, looking at the things of the earth, contemplating them thoughtfully, and saying, God, I will praise you for this every day of my life. And that again leads to his ending exhortation. Verse 35, bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Why is this not characteristic of our lives? Why do we not go out every single day and see even just so, something so simple as the beauty of creation and praise God for it? Now, most of you are past high school now, but as we look at even high school classes, things we learned about science, about biology, chemistry, even physics. Physics was my favorite high school class. You learn all these equations for the way things move and go when you can calculate just a ball thrown through the air, not counting air resistance always. And you look at all this, and you should be moved to say, wow, God, you've made it this way. God, you've made these bonds between atoms. God, you've made gravity. God, you've made the wind. We can describe it now, but it's still God the one that makes it. I can look at the wind and say, okay, there's varying pressures between air and land, and the difference in air pressure causes the high pressure go to the low pressure, which then causes wind as the air molecules move. Right? I can describe all that, but I can't let that take out of me the wonder at the creation of God. So that should be characteristic of your lives and of my life. We should go out of here and look at the sky and say, God, you did that. Look at the trees and say, God, you made that. Look at the grass you need to mow tomorrow and say, God, you made that. Just look at all this and just be in awe at God. But that even should affect our prayer. Right? When we pray to God, we should bless the Lord. When we pray to God, we should praise him. And this isn't just generally, God, you're great. All right, now I have a bunch of prayer requests. It's thoughtful. Do you know how much time David had to think about things that happened in creation to write the psalm? I keep saying David. The author of the psalm had to write. How much he had to think to write this psalm? When we praise God, we should think about it. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, God, you're good. All right, time for my day. Give me a good day. Give me strength for my work. Right? We wake up in the morning and say, you know, God, I was thinking about this. And then we describe it and say, that's so great. So even tonight, as we go to prayer together, do that. Think through it. It can be creation. It can be something in your life. It can be something you've seen in his word. But think through something and praise God for that. I would challenge you at least tonight and hopefully every day after that. Think through one thing deeply and praise God for that. I hope that our prayer tonight is characterized by deep thinking and praise to God. So speaking of prayer, are there any prayer requests?